the end of last year, Mark, Eric, and I got together and we started planning and looking at the the first six months of 2020 and the preaching calendar and, and sermon schedule and and different things like that. And uh, it was a uh, it was a bittersweet moment as we were thinking about what worship services would be like for Mark's final. Um, six months as a senior minister of Mechanicsville Church of Christ before he retires. None of us at the time imagined being where we are now in the midst of a pandemic, and and it looks very different than what we imagined it looking like at that time that we were planning this. I thought it was great. Mark wanted to share some of his uh, life verses, some some verses that have been important to him over the years as kind of final words and final sermons to us as a church. Um, but I got to say, this is not how he or Pam uh, imagined this time of his coming to an end and transitioning to a different type of ministry in retirement. I'd like to encourage you guys to pray for him over the next few weeks as, as this continues to unfold. There's a there's a decent chance we might have one more Sunday together as a church in person in limited numbers uh, on June 14th on his final retirement Sunday, um, but there's also a chance that we're not able to do so. I'd encourage you to pray for them. Uh, Pam has done just as much ministry here at MCC as Mark has. Um, they're a great team. Uh, there's the old saying, that behind every great man is a great woman. And uh, I know that Mark feels that way. I know Eric, myself, we feel that way. Um, all of our wives do a lot behind the scenes that you guys, you guys just don't see a lot of. So I just want to encourage you to pray for them um, as we continue. We were going to have a great big lunch and celebration in honor of Mark and Pam on June 14th. Uh, and because of all of this stuff, we've decided to put that on hold and invite them back on October 4th, that first Sunday in October, and in hopes that uh, everything is, is mostly back to a, a new normal by that point, and that we can all gather and all express our appreciation um, and thanks for them. So actually, before I start this morning, I'd just like to pause um, and ask you to pray with me as we pray for them during this transition phase. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much uh, for Mark and Pam and their 17 years here at Mechanicsville Church of Christ. Um, I thank you for their influence and their ministry and, and all that they've done to serve you and serve this community during this time. God, I pray as this season of life looks very different for them uh, than they had anticipated and that they had envisioned, God, I pray that you just bring comfort and peace and, and an excitement about the next phase of ministry and what that looks like in retirement. Uh, God, I just pray that you comfort them um, and, and lead them and guide them as I know that you will and as they are looking to you to do so uh, during this time. God, we love you, we trust you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. This is the, the one Sunday a year that we set aside to also recognize not just our wives, but our moms and our wives who are moms. Um, and over the last few weeks, I'm sure that, that all of you spouses and kids and, and everybody have have seen a little bit more how important moms are and all that they do and all that they do at home. And moms, you've had a, an extra bit, especially if you have kids at home, an extra bit of responsibility is now you've become teacher and you're around them all the time. Um, this has been certainly a challenging season. And uh, and I'm, I hope, I really hope that kids, husbands, um, I hope that you all are going to do something a little extra special uh, for your, the moms in your life today um, and this weekend uh, to honor and say thank you for all that they've done. I love this idea of 
sharing life verses, but as I tried to figure out the two life verses um, in my life, because I have two of these Sundays during this series that, that were most important to me, I had a hard time uh, thinking of just two of them. I don't know if I've lived enough life yet to, uh, to have a life verse that's been there for most of my life that I lean on mostly. Um, I've had different verses at different points in different seasons of life that have been very important and have been verses that I depend on a lot. Um, but I don't know if I can narrow it down to one or two. So in honor of Mother's Day, I thought I would call my mom and, and ask her what her life verse is. And so I called my mom, and as usual, she didn't answer. Just kidding. I love you, Mom. Um, but she was in a meeting at work, as she told me over text message. And since she's working at home, she was able to text me during this meeting. And uh, she told me that her life verse was Micah 6.8. And Micah 6.8 says... He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Eric talked about this as his life verse a couple weeks ago, and I'm sure that, that some of you uh, would say this is your life verse as well, or have depended and, and leaned on this verse for different seasons of your life as well. It's a popular verse, and it's an encouraging one as well, and this is where we're going to be for, for the remainder of our time together this morning. So I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible in front of you, to open that up. Um, if you're watching this on the website, there should be a tab actually up there that, that has a Bible option that you can pull the, the scripture up right next to, uh, to the live stream there and, and follow along with us. <clears throat> and as you're doing so, I just want to give you some background and share with you a little bit more about what's happening here in the book of Micah. Micah is a prophet of God, and God came to him and said, I have this message for you to share with, with Israel. And this is a point in time in Israel's history when they're divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And in chapter 1, uh, God addresses both nations, and he, he addresses them by speaking to the capital. So he speaks to Jerusalem, he speaks to Samaria, and he speaks to, uh, to the capitals of the northern and southern kingdom and addresses the nation as a whole. In chapter 3, he zeroes in a little bit more so on the, uh, the leaders, the religious leaders, those who are responsible for leading uh, the, the people of Israel. And he speaks to them directly. And then in chapter 6, he begins speaking to the people more directly. And in the first couple verses of Micah chapter 6, he sets this up as a court case. He, he talks to the mountains like they're the jury and, and we the people, we are on trial here. And God starts and he speaks to the people through Micah the prophet. And in verse 3 he says, Oh my people, what have I done to you? What have I done to make you tired of me? Answer me. For I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam to help you. Don't you remember, my people, how King Balak of Moab tried to have you cursed and how Balaam son of Bo uh, Beor, Beor blessed you instead? Do you remember your journey from Acacia Grove to Gilgal and how I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness? He sets this up and he says, you know, what, what have I done to you? And he reminds them of all the things that he's done and they've been good things, the ways that he has proven himself to be faithful over the years. And this is such a key part of God in general when we look at from everything in the Old Testament to even the New Testament Paul Paul brings this out in his letter to Timothy 
He says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. And what we see over time is that every time Israel messes up, every time they fall away from God, every time they pursue another God, that God remains faithful. And there's consequences to Israel's actions, just like there's consequences to our actions, but it never, it never leads to God's unfaithfulness. God is always there with us. He's always there still pursuing us. He is always being faithful in the midst of our unfaithfulness. How easy it is for us to find ourselves like Israel, forgetting all the ways that God has been faithful to us. I can't imagine but sometimes wonder that if I was in Israel's shoes, uh, surely, surely I would not forget God's faithfulness. I mean, the way he provided for them day after day in the desert as they wandered around for 40 years providing manna. Um, Every morning they woke up bread and as much of it as they wanted was was just there waiting for them every single day. I can't imagine being part of the Israelites as they crossed the Red Sea into into the desert, leaving uh, leaving Egypt and seeing all that God did, and immediately the first thing they did was build this golden calf to worship it instead of God. I can't imagine grumbling after all the manna that God provided. I can't imagine being in these situations and throughout the book of Judges as God delivered and redeemed his people and yet immediately turning around and forgetting. And yet I find myself doing the same thing. And yet I find myself seeing God's faithfulness in my life. And then there's always something else that comes up and makes me forget. God's answered a prayer. He's provided. He's taken care of me. And then yet immediately after that happens, there's another crisis or I make another dumb mistake or I do something else. And I'm immediately in a place of needing and asking God for his grace and forgiveness and hope once again. And I forget about all the things that he's done previously. And I bet if you're honest with yourself, you find yourself in a similar place. I bet if you're honest with yourself and sit down and think about it, you've been there as well more times than you'd like to admit. Israel saw that. Israel saw that their mistakes, he saw what they did, and then their reply in verse 6 of Micah chapter 6 is, With what shall we come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And it seems like Micah and the people of Israel, of the two nations, they they understand their mistakes, they understand where they've messed up, and it seems like they ask God for grace and forgiveness. But when we look a little bit closer, we see that that might not be the case. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever um, caught your kids fighting? And told them that they need to apologize and hug and, and make it right and play nice together. Let me, let me ask you a question. Do you actually get a good, sincere, I'm sorry, and they really hug like they love each other? No, right? You get a sarcastic, oh, I'm sorry, and they kind of a, a squeeze so hard the other person starts to hurt. Or maybe a, a hug that's not really a real hug. And I think that's what's happening here in Micah. When we look closely at it, we see there's almost a sarcasm in in Israel's response here. It's a thousand rams, 10,000 rivers of oil, just these these numbers that are insanely high of, well, what does God expect from us? 
What does he want from us? What are these things that we have to do? And immediately Micah comes back and says, He has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Micah says, no, you, it's not about these burnt offerings. It's not about thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil. You, you, you know, you know what God requires of you, what God has asked of you. is to do justice, to love kindness. It's to walk humbly with your God. You, you don't, don't ask and act like you don't know what God is asking of you. Because you know. And, and so often we do the same thing. It's not about just coming to church on Sundays. It's not just about putting a tithe check in the offering. It's not just about this or that other religious thing and act that we do publicly. It's about loving justice. Loving kindness. Walking humbly with God. It's about it's about a relationship with Christ, things that go so much deeper than just our actions and acts of service to God. It, it's about being in relationship with God, and that's what Micah points out here. When I talked with my mom about this passage and what she really liked about it, she said that this just served as what she strived to do in her personal life, but more than that, what she strived to do to set an example for us as a family, for me and my sister growing up. The reality is that mom, dad, parents, people are watching you. And this is this is what they're going to copy what they see. They're going to see you doing different things. And, and if you take your relationship with Christ just to be the things you do and just coming to church and just going through the motions and just doing these external actions, and that's what they're going to see and think religion is. And that's what they're going to think being in relationship with Christ is. You, you know... What it is, it's doing justice. It's loving kindness. And so my parents worked hard to set this as an example and to to model this and show us growing up, this is what true religion is. This is what it means to be in a relationship with Christ. Now I'll admit it's difficult to really focus on all of these at the same time. It's really difficult to watch every action and everything to make sure we are doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with God in every moment of every day. But if we sit back and think about it for a moment, I'd say there's probably at least one of these areas that stick out to you more than the others that you could probably do a little better in. I know there is for me. And so I ask you, we're going to walk through these just really briefly to explain and expound upon them just a little bit more that I just ask you to think about which one of these you need to focus on a little bit more so. Maybe it's doing justice. And by doing justice, I don't mean walking around waiting for someone to mess up and then going and and showing them what justice is, right? Because remember that Micah and God are speaking to to the nation of Israel here and they start big. They start by talking to the whole nation and then they talk to the leaders and then they talk to us personally and to the individuals of the nations personally. So this is not enacting justice as a whole and on other people. This is in your life. One of the translations actually translates this section as to act justly, to act in a just way, to to really do the right thing. Justice is acting in the right way, us personally in our lives. And I'd say if you sat back to think about it, you would say that for the most part you do. But what about those other parts? There's a lot of times that we like to maybe live in that gray area. 
that when we live in that gray area, there's there's a personal benefit to it. And so maybe you've had a vacation planned and you wanted some some nice pictures on your vacation, so you went to the store and bought a camera and had every intention of returning that camera after your vacation, after you got the pictures. It's super easy with Amazon, right? You order something, want to try it out, may or may not like it, and if it works, if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. I'm just, I'm just going to send it back. Is that really what the return policy is for? Maybe you're having a game night. Maybe you're having a game night. Maybe you're a competitive person and it's a family game night. You're just having fun, but you haven't won anything all night. So you take an extra card or take an extra turn or do something that gives you an edge slightly, just a little bit without anybody noticing. Is that the right thing? Maybe you're at the store at the self-checkout and you find that whoever was there before you left $20 that they got back from their debit card in the tray and they forgot to take it. What do you do with that money? There's a lot of gray areas that, for the most part, you can always do the right thing, but then there's those little times that we like to live in the gray area that aren't big things, they're just little things. But it's those little things that add up, and it's the little things that matter. Maybe it's not that as much as it is loving kindness. I would say for the most part, I don't know many people who don't love kindness, aren't people who I would describe as not kind people. Maybe my sister for a little bit, especially when she was in middle school, she was not known as a kind person. Love you, sis. But I still would not describe her as a, as a mean person. She's a kind person. But are we kind people? Do we love kindness to the degree that Christ called us to? He called us to have the kind of kindness that that loves our enemies and prays for those who persecute us. The kind of kindness that if someone slaps us on the cheek, we turn to them the other cheek. If they take our cloak, that we give them our tunic as well. This this kindness that that is so much more and so much deeper than just general kindness. The kindness when you're at an intersection... And the person's distracted and doesn't go right away when the light turns green. The kind of kindness that still has compassion on the person checking out at the self-checkout with a buggy full of, full of things and you only have two or three. The kindness that, that is, that's everywhere all the time. Kindness in all circumstances. That's the kind of kindness that God has called us to. And you might be a kind person most of the time, but what about those other times? Because it's those other times, it's those small times that that matter the most. Maybe it's not that for you. Maybe it's walking humbly with God. Maybe it's just walking with God. Maybe uh, before this pandemic and the stay-at-home orders, maybe it wasn't the easiest thing for you to to stay connected with God and to read scripture and pray on a regular basis. Maybe it's been a little bit easier during this quarantine time. Maybe it's been a little bit harder, but I promise you that there's a day, and I think it's coming fairly soon, where things are going to start opening up and we're going to be itching to get out and we're going to be itching for life to get back to normal and things are going to be even busier. Busier than we've ever been before trying to catch up on everything we've missed in the last few weeks. Are you still going to be able to walk with God? Are you still going to be able to be in His Word on a daily basis, to pray on a regular basis, to, to connect with Him in the midst of all the chaos and craziness of life? 
maybe it's that humbly aspect. Maybe you've prayed for something for so long and it's not come yet. Or maybe God answered your your prayer but not in a way that you expected. Do you trust that His ways are higher than your ways, that His thoughts are higher than your thoughts, that at the end of the day, He has your best interest in mind and that He's looking out for your good when, when, when God doesn't answer a prayer in the way that you expect, what's your response? Do you humbly go before God and say, God, I still love you, I still trust you. Whatever you do, whatever happens, I trust you completely. Or is there a part of you that starts to wonder, starts to get a little bit angry, starts to maybe not trust God as much? You see, for all of these things, It can be easy to do it on the surface. But what God is calling us to here is a deeper level of integrity and character throughout every aspect of our lives. That in every season, that in every circumstance, in the private moments as well as the public ones, that we are men and women who do justice, who love kindness, and who walk humbly with God. And that's what we're called to do. He has told you, you know, you know what's expected of you. So it's our job to do it. Here's what I'd like to ask for you to do. Tonight, this afternoon, maybe after the kids go to bed tonight or before they wake up in the morning, I'd like to ask you to set aside 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes and just simply pray this prayer to God. Pray God. Reveal the areas in my life where I need to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you more. And then just wait. Wait and be ready to hear what he has to say. Now prepare yourself because if you ask God to point out these areas in your life where you could do better, where you need to act more justly or love kindness or walk more humbly with God, he's going to point it out. He's going to point out these areas to you and and then it's our responsibility to do something about it. So I pray that at the end of that time, and I ask that at the end of that time where you are finished listening to God and feel that He has told you these areas to improve on and work on your life, pray that God encourages you and gives you the strength to do better next time. There's people looking up at you. Whether you're a mom, dad, grandparent, aunt, uncle, maybe you don't have anybody in your family who's looking up to you. There are still people who are looking at how you're living your life and how you're living this Christian faith. I remember when I was in Kentucky, I was a youth minister. I wasn't married, no kids. I have a dog at the house, and that's it. But it was incredible how quickly those kids in the youth group started to look up to me. People are looking at you too. So how are you doing? Are you doing justice? Are you loving kindness? Are you walking humbly with God? Father God, I thank you so much for the ways that over and over and over you have proven yourself to be faithful to us. 
God, even despite our unfaithfulness, despite the way that we sometimes act as children who are pouting and, and not liking what we're hearing, God, thank you for having patience with us. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for loving us. God, I pray that we will be able to take this time to, to sit back and ask where we're lacking Ask where we need to improve in in these areas in our lives. God, I pray that you speak to our soul and share with us these different areas where we could do better. God, I pray for courage. I pray for strength. Pray for motivation and discipline that we can do better. That next time we're in a situation where we can do justice or love kindness or walk uh, humbly with you more, that you give us the awareness to do so and the strength to do so as well. God, we love you. We thank you. And this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.